This is an Odyssey original. This is the War in Ukraine Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. And I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. Saudi Arabia plays no direct role in Russia's war against Ukraine. The kingdom isn't providing weapons to Ukrainians, nor are they siding with the Russians. And yet, the oil-producing giant is one key factor in energy prices that have gone through the roof since Russia invaded Ukraine in February. So we're going to take a closer look at record high prices that are forcing President Biden to play nice with Saudi Arabia. He's going to that country next month. And we'll go back to Ukraine, where the Russian offensive in the eastern part of the country is still going with devastating consequences, both for the local population and the Ukrainian army, which has taken a lot of casualties. But we start in the Middle East. President Biden making the first trip of his administration to Saudi Arabia, even though he once pledged to make the kingdom a pariah because of the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The president will also stop by Israel and the West Bank. Professor Stephen Spiegel is director of UCLA's Center for Middle East Development. So uh, in the context of human rights versus high gas prices, concern over expensive gas wins, huh? Well, I think if you were taking a vote in the United States, it would be the gas that would that would win. Uh, it, uh, what they did to Khashoggi was horrendous, just horrendous. But uh, the, the American people are suffering, and uh, I be a rare president who wouldn't try to get some of that, more of that oil. So it's not a surprise, but he's got to come out with a significant amount of oil. I mean, obviously if it's not all of their oil, uh, he's okay. But I think this is very critical for the president and for the country. Um, And uh, it's a, uh, a shame that we've come to this, but this is a new era. If we remember when we had the, Soviet Union after World uh, War II, we had to make a lot of concessions and and do things we wouldn't really want to do. And unfortunately, uh, on the one hand, we had the 30 years, but uh, thanks to to Putin, things are uh, are a new third round. And it's not easy for the American people. It's not easy for the world, not for Ukraine, of course. And that is why we're making these kind of concessions and unfortunately may have to make more. Why this um, line from the White House that this isn't about energy at all, that that's not really on the table. We have all these other things to work through, which I guess we do have all these other things to work through. But why not just right out front, bring energy into that discussion uh, when you're on the plane headed over there? Well, I don't think you want to do that because what uh, you don't want to be in the position of being asked, um, well, how much you're going to get? What are you going to get? Uh, which he can't really answer. And even if he can, and they made a deal, uh, he wouldn't want to, because people say, "Well, you should get more, et cetera, et cetera." So I think that's the reason. But if he doesn't come out with something, uh, I think it's a, a problem. Okay, so let's say we get more gas, more oil from the Saudis. What do they get from us? Well, first of all, I think it won't be us who gets it uh, necessarily. It, it, may, it may a lot of it may go to Europe. Uh, uh, to our allies. Um, what the Saudis get? The Saudis get being back on the American playing field. Uh, there's the whole uh, problem of Iran that, uh, that they'll be talking about. They may not admit it, et, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think that Biden will, will try to get um, uh, the Saudis to, to join publicly 
the Abraham Accords, which have been so successful. That would be a big pitch for the president, uh, but might help them as well. But mainly, uh, I mean, there are all sorts of other uh, problems, but um, the main thing is that they're back in the uh, American circle, and that's what they want. Yeah, but when you say there are other problems, sure is. I mean, for example, the optics of his meeting with the de facto ruler of Saudi Arabia, the very same person that U.S. intelligence has concluded likely ordered, we mentioned in the uh, in the beginning, uh, the journalist Jamal Khashoggi, he's meeting with the very guy that his own intelligence agencies say probably ordered the murder. So the optics of the president of the United States uh, in a photo op with a guy who the U.S. has deemed to be behind a murder, that's a tricky move, isn't it? Well, if you look back to Vietnam and, 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 and as I was just saying, uh, and the whole problems that uh, America had uh, during the Cold War, we don't really have a Cold War now. We have it worse. But um, we made a lot of bad concessions that we knew were bad, but we felt we had uh, uh, no choice. And that's what I said earlier. That's what the president is uh, uh, confronting. He's got the American people saying, we don't want to pay so much <laughs> when we go to fill up our cars. Um, he's got to do something. And the easiest thing worldwide would be to make a deal, I think, uh, a quick uh, deal uh, with the Saudis. So you have to, you know, when you're president and when you're in a difficult world, as we are now in, uh, and I think will be for several years, so it's, it's going to be worse than the last 30 years. When you're in this kind of a situation, you have to make terrible decisions. That's what it means to be president. And that's what you mean, what it means to be American. Um, what the Saudis did was horrendous, awful. But um, uh, I think what the president will also do is try to get cons some concessions. Uh, 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 from uh, the Saudis on how to uh, change. They already been doing some changes. They have this 30-year program. And I mean, they still got some horrible things of killing people and, and trying to remain very clearly in control. But I think he will try to gain some kinds of local concessions uh, that will look better. So it doesn't look as bad as you're su suggested, but you can say, look, they know they made a terrible mistake. They're not gonna do that again, but we're gonna try to, in, in, they're gonna be closer to us, doing more favors for us, that'll be the discussion with Israel, uh, et cetera, and, uh, and seeing how far they'll go. And look at, we're changing the Middle East and uh, we're trying to get them be better. And I'll say quite that, uh, uh, frankly, but that's what, I think the president will try uh, to explain. Professor Steven Spiegel, director of UCLA's Center for Middle East Development. The war in Ukraine, close to four months old, it's upended the lives of just about everybody living in the country. Now things are getting worse for soldiers in the east fighting the Russians there. A regional governor says Russian forces control about 80 percent of a key city. 
The eastern and southern portion of Ukraine have been under Russian control for a while now. We're joined again by Sofia. She's originally from an area of southern Ukraine near the Sea of Azov, controlled by Russia now. The Russians were after her dad, who served in the Ukrainian military. They also harassed her brother and his business. Sofia had a tense journey out of the area. That was a couple of months ago, and she is now in Kyiv, the Ukrainian capital. Sofia, can you first paint a picture of the situation with you and your family? Are, are you all safe and secure? Yeah, hi. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, well, yeah, right now, uh, as you said, I'm in Kiev. Uh, so after after the evacuation from Verdansk, uh, about two, two and a half months ago, we, uh, I lived in Khmelnytsky, uh, where my uh, elder brother and his family have now settled. Uh, but uh, my apartment is in Kiev, and I've been living here for six years before the war started. So I decided to move uh, to move here. And, um, you know, I, I thought that actually in general, both in Kiev and Khmelnytsky, Kiev is like a central north region. Khmelnytsky is more like a central uh, western region of Ukraine. Uh, but it's equally safe if you can say so uh so it makes sense for me it may it makes sense for me to um to return home so yeah you know from the time we started uh, to cover this uh at the beginning four months ago uh the story then was uh how the ukrainians were at least in the beginning beating back or seemingly beating back the Russians, mm -hmm. certainly from, from Kyiv, where you are now, and from uh, yeah. other major portions of Ukraine. And now that storyline has, as you know, I'm sure, shifted because the Russians are are actually doing fairly well in the eastern and industrial part of, of Ukraine. And I'm wondering how you and people that you know, uh, how they're taking that. Uh well, it's kind of it's hard to say because uh, you know we monitor uh, news every day and we see that um, Russians they have um, they've settled there if you if you can say so I mean they are preparing to attack once again but um, in the meantime we see uh, some good news from from uh, especially from Kherson region it's south of Ukraine. Um, we hear some good news from Kharkiv region. Uh, it's almost uh, uh, unoccupied. We have um, a lot of, you know, um, good news from there. And, um, well, from w what I hear from, from Berdyansk, where I'm originally from, is that, uh, well, Russians are trying to settle some kind of a government over there, but it's not working out. People are not... Uh, um, they don't want to have Russian passports and so on. They're just waiting for Ukrainian uh, soldiers to came back and uh, won back these territories. Um, so it's it's kind of hard because uh, you you almost don't have any connections with them. They're trying to uh, Russians trying to cut off any um, any internet connection uh, or or any other. Um, you know, any other connections with those territories. So when people are uh, managed to managing to evacuate, uh, we hear horrible stories about how they are treating people there, about 
just massive shots, uh, uh, looting houses, and etc. Basically, everything we saw previously in Kiev region. So it's it's kind of hard. And you know, just a couple of days ago, I found out that uh, Russians broke into my house, into my father's house in Berdyansk. And uh, yeah, that 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 was pretty tough. Even though we were expecting it, because we knew they were after us, they were after my father, our family. But it's still it's still kind of really really hard. Yeah, let me ask you about that because we've talked about your dad before, who who served at a time mm-hmm. uh, in the military, right? So he was almost on this sort of list of people that the Russians were were looking for. Is he still doing okay? But obviously, they figured out where he he did live, and they they went through the house. Um, yeah, actually, you know, he um, he was transferred to another military unit over here in Kiev region, and it was one of the reasons why I came back here to to be able to see him because his range is now near Kiev. So uh, we, my family and I we were able to see him, and uh, now uh, he said that he's sent to a northern borders of Ukraine near Belarus once again they um, uh, as he said they had to monitor the situation over there because we hear that Belarus is they, they have some training for soldiers or something like that but we are kind of have to be pre- prepared if they decide to attack us so um, that's that's what I heard I talked to him about just uh, like a couple of hours ago and he said yeah I'm here I'm in this region and we are just uh, we're watching what's um, what's gonna be so and where you are in Kiev the capital how normal and I'm putting the word normal in quotes is mm-hmm. daily is daily life you know, um, I had a business business trip to Helsinki last week, and it was really weird because uh, it was like um, I seem to be moving to Ukraine without a war because it's like the same life, the same cafes, same people, someone jogging in the park. And you can say that everything is happening right here, right now, except that you have we have uh, like this uh, air raid alerts all the time and we are constantly living uh, in the news. We are monitoring, we're watching. And of course, I can't say that it affects uh, everyday life. Like you still can go to the offices, to to, to offices, to work, to to the parks, to the cafes and et cetera. But it's just... um, but but it's just of course uh, you you can't ignore the danger and um just today we had uh several um attacks in Khmelnytsky and Lviv uh, regions fortunately air defense worked uh, well and missiles uh were shut down but i heard that four people including one child were injured in Lviv region due to the wreckage of the missiles so basically it's like it, it, it's very odd because um, at one point everything is normal, and I even heard that we are uh, our government is working on you know uh, some new features for the citizens and so on. So we are implementing uh, all the new um, all the new uh, features for for for. Uh, 
for Ukrainians and we're trying to um, make a country better. And this is happening during the war. And it's it's really odd because we have like so much, uh, so many problems. And um, yeah, so I, I can't really say that uh, it, it's pretty normal here. But on the other hand, you're like, you're in this weird reality where you know that you can be shot down any any second, any any moment. So, Sophia, thank you so much for for talking to us. Uh, surreal doesn't even sum it up. Our, our best to you, Sophia. There, who's now in Kiev. This is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.